Our scripture reading today comes from Colossians 2, 6 through 12. And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Um, For the next few weeks, we are starting a new series that I'm pretty excited about uh, for Lent. So for the next four weeks as a church, really five, I think, um, we are going to be looking at emotionally healthy spirituality. And um, I just wanted to give you some resources for this series. We'll put these uh, in the notes for today. They also will be on social media and things like that. Um, But Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is a book that was written by Pete Scazzaro. It looks like this. Um, And actually, as of this recording, it's $1.99 on Kindle. So if you're a Kindle person, uh, you can get that. But you can find it on Amazon. Uh, It's a great read, unbelievably important. We'll be talking about it. It'd be great to follow along with us. Or um, this is another thing that kind of comes that you can get along with it or get separately called Day by Day. I'm not a big daily devotion kind of person, but I love this. This is what I use every day. It's a it's a 30-day or a 40-day journey, which kind of works perfect for Lent, and then every 40 days I start it over. I love it so much. So um, day by day, that's an option, and if you're in a core group, there's also uh, core group materials that you and your group, or if you're not in a core group, maybe you could find some friends and form a core group. Um, let Chad know. He would love to help you out. But uh, there will be resources. There's resources for core groups or groups of people that you could go through this with. So all of that um, is for you. If you have any questions about any of that stuff, feel free to email me. But um, but this is what we'll be talking about for the next few weeks. And I think it's really good timing because, as you know, it has been a really crazy year. Um, And I think it's incredibly important that we honor um, the fact that we are truly coming out of and honestly still in a really crazy year of crisis. It's been a lot. If it feels like a lot, it's because it's been a lot. Uh, Physical crisis, emotional crisis, mental crisis, spiritual crisis, uh, COVID, the, the virus itself, it's impacted us physically, mentally, maybe even spiritually. Um, the, the, the wildness going on in the world, racial injustice and unrest, uh, riots in the summer and in the winter, um, the wildest election of my lifetime. These, these are crisis, uh, crises that have affected us, uh, maybe directly or indirectly. Um, but even like vicarious trauma is still trauma on our bodies and in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts. Um, and then we've all had things in our own life. Uh, people around you have gotten sick. You have lost people. Uh, you have been wounded by people. There have been tons of breakups, uh, divorces, lots of family trouble. Some of you have spent more more time alone this year than uh, you would ever want to do. 
Uh, and we've gone through all of these things while flipping our communal spiritual rhythms on their head. It, it's been a lot. And so if there's ever been a time to talk about emotional health in the church, uh, in a church setting, I think that we found a really good time to talk about it. So, um, so let's start here. As we talk about this, I think we, uh, I, I really think this, I think that we've been sold a false story that um, that coming to church and reading our Bibles and praying are are the ways to become a better person, like, like the key that turns the lock. And here's my struggle with this story being true. Uh, my struggle is that I don't think it's true. <laughs> and I also don't think it's that good of a story. I, I don't think it's the whole story. I, I think there's a way better story. Like, there's got to be a way better story. Uh, because the truth is, being in church uh, doesn't necessarily just make you a better person, right? Like, we all have stories of this. Um, I mean, you can, you can read your Bible and you, a lot, and you can pray a lot, and you can go to church every time the doors are open or find a church that the doors are open when, when yours isn't meeting because of COVID. You can do all of these things, and you can still be a pretty terrible person. Like, you really can. Do you, do you have experience with this? The, um, if you've ever waited tables, if you've ever been a waiter or a waitress, and particularly if you've worked on Sunday, then you definitely have experience with this. Because notoriously, Christians eating out after church are the rudest people, the least patient people, and the worst tippers. Um, maybe you had a gossipy or judgmental, uh, Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was worse. There's, uh, the story of the abusive parent who's a deacon or an elder in the church, the spiritual leader who, uh, exploits people under them sexually. I mean, there are so many stories of this. And and honestly, of, of, of people doing all the right things and still making terrible choices. The Bible doesn't, doesn't tell the story that if you do all these things, you instantly become uh, this great person. Paul, who wrote our text for today, is a great example. He did all the things, church and Bible reading and praying, and then he also actively murdered Christians. Um, here's why this is possible. It's possible to do lots of very Christian things and stay terrible in a lot of ways uh, because the reality is our spiritual health cannot outpace our emotional health. Uh, they are so deeply connected. This is why we're going to spend the next few weeks here because I think this, it's vitally important to talk about. Uh, these things, emotional health and spiritual health, uh, they are inextricably tied together. Why? Because we are a whole person. We are a whole person. We are body and soul and mind. We are physical and spiritual and emotional. They're all tied together, tied to and informing one another. They're, they're all connected to each other. Uh, together, they make a whole person. So for example, uh, my spiritual life can and absolutely does inform my, my physical life. They're tied together. Uh, my physical life, it requires attention and care and practice and work just like my spiritual life. Um, and my spiritual life informs that. But the truth is memorizing books of the Bible, they can give me, um, or, or verses in the Bible, it can give me a theology of what I think a physical life uh, should look like or physical care should look like. But the truth is memorizing scripture can't give me arms that look like Michelle Obama's. 
though I wish it could. Um, the same is true emotionally. My, my spirituality, my spiritual life, it informs all of my being, but so does my physical health and my emotional health. Our, our parts of the whole, they uh, empower each other, they work together, and they all require intention, and they all require nurturing, and they all lean on, on the other to do it. So um, I think some of how we have understood or maybe been led to understand uh, Jesus has downplayed the role of emotional health uh, in conversations in the church and in teaching in the church. The truth is the scriptures, they are full of emotions, uh, anger and sadness and delight and joy, exhaustion and fear and courage. And, and when we look closely at Jesus, as we've done for the last couple of weeks, we see that he experienced a full range of emotions. And yet I think that there are still a lot of us uh, that, that we still feel a certain uneasiness or, or a guilt or a shame around experiencing a full range of emotions. We're not quite sure what to do with things like sad in light of Jesus or anger in light of Jesus. And I think it's a sad thing that the church has had, um, or in my experience, the church has had very little to say about our emotional health. This It's a whole pie piece. It's a whole part of our being. And our spiritual life informs it. The, the church, I think, has a great opportunity to say a lot about it. So in the text that uh, Aaron read for us just a little while ago, Paul, he talks deeply, or he talks about growing deep roots in Jesus, about building our life on Jesus, what it looks like to build our life on Jesus. And and part of that means acknowledging uh, that full range of emotions in Jesus and, and also acknowledging the full range of emotions possible through Jesus and getting eyes on the full range of emotions in us and through us as we build our deep roots in Him. Emotional health, like physical and spiritual health, it's it's part of the way that we grow and build our lives on Jesus and part of the way that we grow and build our lives alongside one another. Uh, one of the first verses in the Bible I remember, I think I, I, I remember two verses that I memorized really young. I think I quoted the other one a couple weeks ago, but one of the first verses I memorized was John 8, 32, and it's, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's a good verse. Um, but uh, that verse, it's a verse about spiritual truth, that the truth of Jesus in the face of all other things is the truth that will set us free. But I also think it's a, tr- it's a, it's a verse about emotional health. It's, it's seeing the truth of our world and how it really is and seeing unmasked the truth of ourselves and how we really are in light of Jesus is the path to freedom. Uh, I talked about this uh, the other day at our Ash Wednesday service, but um, I have been uh, really profoundly impacted by recovery programs. Um, I'm both fascinated and formed uh, by, uh, in, in so many ways, by the work of 12-step programs. And um, NAA, although I think uh, uh, quite a few recovery programs use the same prayer, but NAA, there's a prayer called the Serenity Prayer that you may have heard of, the, the prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change if you know what I'm talking about. Um, but so that's prayer. And, the, and it gets, it's, it's all over the place. You see it in posters, in the doctor's office, all, all kinds of places. But um, that prayer is a little bit longer than just the part that you see quoted. There's a, there's a kind of a back half of this prayer that has this amazing line in it. Uh, and it doesn't get as much screen time, but I think it's incredible. The second half, in that second half of the prayer is a request to learn how to take on the world as Jesus did. The world not, uh, the world, to take on the world as it is, not just as I would have it be. Uh, 
An emotional, healthy spirituality claims the freedom that comes from the courage to look at things how they truly are. The world as it is, not just as I would have it be, how things truly are, not just how we would have them be. Uh, the, the world and ourselves, the courage to see ourselves for how we truly are, not just how we hope we are. And, and our emotions, they are a huge clue into this. Uh, here's an example I gave the other night at Ash Wednesday. Um, if you know me, then you know that I am always giving up Diet Coke um, and yet never really giving up Diet Coke. Like, uh, uh, it is a core piece of my personality that I am someone who is both always and never giving up Diet Coke. Um, and so when, um, when I'm giving up Diet Coke, what happens in me is that I find myself wanting a Diet Coke and then I deny myself a Diet Coke because I've given it up. And then what happens first is a headache. And then right after the headache uh, comes just like so much grumpiness and anger. Just like I'm instantly mad. I'm angry because I want a Diet Coke, but I told people I'm giving it up. So now I'm mad at the people I've told I'm giving it up. And, um, and then anger because I only drink Diet Coke on Thursdays because I've made some sort of wager with myself. And it's Tuesday, not Thursday. And, and I can't come up with a reason why I need a Diet Coke on Tuesday. And, and I, I, I'm angry because I can't have what I want. And then um, behind that, I start to get angry at other things. Honestly, everything everything. I, I get angry at what's on the news. I get angry at what's not on the news. I get angry at um, that I can't find anything to watch on the 75 streaming services that I pay for every single month. I, I see my kid's socks, like one little individual sock everywhere that it might be. Um, I, I have experienced an unbelievable amount of rage at the way my front door opens. Um, everyone I meet is a terrible driver. I mean, you get the point. And uh, for most of my life, it's been just that, uh, a headache, an anger about the Diet Coke, and then an anger at everything else. And then honestly, what usually happens is then I have a Diet Coke and all the anger goes away. Uh, but an emotionally, an emotionally and spiritually healthy approach uh, would look a little bit different than that. An emotionally healthy uh, spirituality uh, approach would take the time to acknowledge the world as it is, just like we talked about, not just as I would have it be. It would mean uh, seeing this anger and frustration as clues to something deeper than Diet Coke, which Diet Coke doesn't matter. There's something deeper going on. It would look a little bit like this. Uh, we're going to show you this picture of an iceberg. And if you'll keep picturing it, this picture uh, of an iceberg. And if you, if you think about it, the tip of the iceberg is um, my, like right above the clouds, it's my, it's my Diet Coke frustration. Uh, and then kind of right below that, maybe at that cloud line, um, right, right there on the surface of the water is my anger at all of the things when I can't have a Diet Coke. And for years and years and years and years and years, my approach has been just to look at that. Just all that stuff right above the water. And I, I look at that and I think about that. And honestly, I pray about that and I spiritualize that. Um, or I numb it with a Diet Coke, one of the two. Um, but the approach of emotionally healthy spirituality has the courage to not just look at what's going on above the water, but to have the courage to look at what is going on down below the surface of the water, down below the surface, at all of the stuff underneath that's pushing that tip of the iceberg right above the water. Learning to pay attention to our emotional health means learning that, sure, on the surface, I have a Diet Coke problem, but what's sitting right underneath that Diet Coke problem it is a lot of anger. 
is a big, gnarly, huge iceberg. And that anger has clues to deeper hurts and deeper pains and, and deeper works inside my soul. That anger, it exposes a history of numbing my frustrations instead of learning how to feel and deal with them. Uh, numbing in a way that leads to a big, gnarly pile of anger that is eating away uh, at my soul the way Diet Coke is eating away at my stomach lining. <laughs> And this iceberg sitting below the surface, it, it has great impact on everything. My emotional health, my physical health, and absolutely my spiritual health. Because I'm a whole person, a body and a soul and a mind. And emotionally healthy spirituality means learning that I have to pay attention, uh, not just to that 10% that's peeking out above the water, but to know that that 10% is a clue that there's more going on down below the surface. Diet Coke, it's, again, it's not a big deal. It's kind of a silly thing uh, to be worried about, but Diet Coke for me shows that there is something going on beneath the surface that might need some, some attention. And here's the truth, um, because I love you dearly and because I want you to be the most free version of yourself. And I believe that's what Jesus wants for us to, for us to become the most human and free versions of ourselves. The truth is this, I'm sitting on an iceberg and you're sitting on one too. We all are. Maybe your iceberg doesn't peek out looking like Diet Coke. Mine doesn't always either. And maybe your iceberg isn't anger. Maybe it's shame or distrust or deep grief or trauma. Or maybe it's some sort of combination of lots of things. But I know it's there. We all have one. And it takes great courage to look beneath the surface of the water and to look your iceberg in the eyes as it is, not just as you hope it would be. And it takes supernatural courage to do something about it, to do the work of, of not just, there's work of seeing it, but it takes supernatural, Holy Spirit, very spiritual, emotional work to not just look at it for how it really is, but, but to do the work of chipping it away, uh, of chipping away its destructive places bit by bit by bit. It takes courage and vulnerability uh, with ourselves and with God and with other people uh, to acknowledge and to deal with what's sitting below the surface. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Uh, it's something that I hope will carry on beyond just Sundays, that it will uh, be something that, that maybe you have the courage to talk about uh, at your dinner tables or counseling offices or in your core groups or on walks with people you love in places you find yourself trusting. I hope this is a conversation that goes with you. Here's another truth. Um, most people never do this work. They don't. Most people, they, they never take a look below the surface. And, and here's what's also true. They leave lives that are happy and good and fine without doing this. Um, and sometimes that's because they don't know how to. And, 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 and sometimes it's because they know it's there, but they know that the work is so, 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 so dang hard. But I can tell you this. Um, I have this obsession with freedom. You you, you probably know if you're used to listening to me, I talk about it all the time. I, more than anything else in the world, I want to be free. And um, 
the thing, like the one thing I can find in common with the most free people I know in the world is that they had the courage to look below the surface, to look beneath the surface of the water. They had the courage to, alongside the Holy Spirit, do the long, hard, slow work that's required to see and dismantle their icebergs. Okay, so here's what I want to do in our last few minutes. Um, every week we do a Selah. We do a practice of, of kind of taking a moment to pause. And what I want to do this week for Selah is I want to read you a story. Um, and it's a story I've read a couple times, I think, at Springbrook. It's, it's one that will probably be familiar if you've been around for a while. Maybe it'll be new. Um, but my hope is that as I read a story about this little boy that uh, you will be able to put yourself into this story. Um, because it's a story of a little boy who essentially confronts and dismantles his own iceberg. So the story comes from The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is one of the books of the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, so a little background. The boy's name is Eustace. And um, Eustace is is a boy who, because of his greed and his selfishness, he turns into a dragon. Essentially what happens is he has to give up parts of his humanity in order to get the power and the privilege that he wanted so badly. We can't relate to fairy tales, can we? Um, And then in this moment, so that happens, he turns into a dragon, he gives up his humanity, turns into a dragon. Um, And then in this moment uh, where he kind of peeks below the iceberg, he sees himself as he truly is as a dragon, covered in scales and sinking under the pain and the weight uh, of, of the power and the privilege on, on this, his little tiny body. And, and it, he finds himself wanting to be a boy again, wanting to change back into a boy, but he doesn't know how. And, and there's this moment in the book where, where he looks up and he sees the lion, Aslan. And Aslan is the, the character of Jesus throughout the entire series. And Aslan, uh, he's coming toward Eustace. And, and Eustace, he has the courage to follow Aslan. And he follows him uh, into the mountains. And then he follows him into a garden. And in the middle of the garden, there's this well. And it becomes really clear to Eustace that if he wants to be a boy again, he needs to get into the well. And so he tries, but, but he can't get in. And, and, and so the lion tells him uh, that he needs to take off his scales if he wants to be able to get into the well. And so he does. He starts ripping at them and scratching at them and, and pulling these scales off and, and he peels them. And what happens is every time he takes one away, it just grows right back. And so he tries one time and two times and three times and the same thing happens over and over and over again. And then the Aslan, the lion, he speaks and he says this. He says, you will have to let me do it. And then Eustace tells the stories like this, the story like this. He says, I was afraid of his claws. I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back and I let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I have ever felt. He peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I had thought I had done myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying in the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there was I, smooth and soft as a peeled switch, smaller than I had been. And then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that much for I was very tender underneath now that I had no skin on. And he threw me into the water. It burned like anything, but only for a moment. 
And after that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. Jesus is always in the business of peeling off scales when we have the courage to see them. In Jesus, he's always in the business of making us more free, making us more human. Our emotions, they aren't something to be afraid of, like I think plenty of us have been taught or maybe just learned along the way. They aren't things to be afraid of. Our emotions are things to pay attention to. They are clues as to what's lying below the surface, underneath the scales. They are things to investigate and to look at alongside the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray for us in that, for the courage to look below. So Father, I ask that you would wake us up to the presence of your Spirit in our lives in a way that fills us uh, with the courage to look below the surface. And even more than that, I ask that your spirit would fill us with the supernatural courage to want to do something about what we see. I pray that you would wake us up um, also to those things that are right above the surface, those things that um, are emotions that are worth paying attention to so that we can see what lies beneath. And I pray that you would Uh, in all of these moments, remind us of how safe you are when we are terrified, of how good you are when what we see is overwhelming or feels bad, and of how deep and wide and wild and long and relentless your love is for us. No matter what is above the surface or below the surface, would you remind us that you are with us and that your hope for us is freedom, that your hope is uh, for us is that we become a boy again, a girl again, a person again, more human. In your name we pray. Amen.